0: Good morning. It's great to see everybody. Like Bevan said, my name is Elliot. I'm the Connection Pastor here, and we are continuing our series, um, Hashtags. And the reason we're looking at this is because hashtags in our culture are a very useful and also a powerful way to communicate ideas. They're used to categorize the insane amount of social media posts out there. And because you can customize your own hashtags and come up with your own and bring your own creativity and humor to it, a lot of these ideas are very catchy, and so because people are posting about everything in the world on social media, I mean, the, the content of the post really runs the gamut of what you could post about, and people add these summary statements or ideas in the hashtags, that means that there's all types of ideas that are being communicated in the form of hashtags. The guiding verse for this series is 1 Timothy four seven. This is what it says. It says this. says, Have nothing, nothing to do with godless myths, in old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. Now, a godless myth, that's something that sounds like God would have said, this is how I want you to live. It sounds like it's some truth or some wisdom from him, but it turns out it's actually something that would lead us in a different direction. And an old wives' tale is something that a lot of people think is true and maybe even believe, but it's not really founded in reality. Now, my wife is um, pregnant with our third child, and so when it comes to predicting the gender of what our next child's going to be, the sex of this child, there's a lot of old wives' tales that we've encountered to predict if we're going to have a boy or a girl. So for example, one of the ones is referred to as the hair swirl predictor. And what you do is, if you've got multiple kids, you take your youngest child, that would be my son Cohen, and you look at the direction their hair swirls on the back of their head, and if it's counterclockwise, well, then you're supposed to have a girl. If it's clockwise, well, then you must be having a boy. So here's Cohen's. So apparently we're supposed to be having a boy. Another um, one of these ones that we've come across predicts based on when you got pregnant and how old you were when you got pregnant. And again, it predicts if you're going to have a boy or a girl. And what I found interesting about both of these wives' tales is they both predict that we're going to have a little boy. However, the doctor says it's supposed to be a little girl. Now, what I have found interesting is I wasn't aware of any of these wives' tales before we started getting pregnant and having kids, um, but since we've you know, gone through this process a few times or in it for the third time now, I've not only been surprised by how many there are. I mean, it's, there are just tons and tons of these you know, predictors that people have. I've also been surprised by how strongly some people hold on to these ideas. I mean, if you disagree with the hair-swirl predictor, That's fighting words for some people. (laughs) Now, it's interesting when it comes to life, there are a lot of godless myths and old wives' tales that are dressed up as wisdom on how to live life. There's a lot of them floating around out there. Some of them sound really good, some of them sound like they're straight out of the Bible. Some of them, you know, a lot of people, a large group of our society is saying, This is how you're supposed to live, this is the right thing to do. And if we're not careful, we could easily be misguided by these different things that are floating around. And if you, you know, if you use an old wives' tale to predict if a little baby is going to be a boy or a girl and you get it wrong, it's not that big a deal. But if you build your life on a godless myth or you make major decisions in life based on an old wives' tale, the consequences for that could really be catastrophic. And it's your life we're talking about. It's not just getting a guess wrong. We're talking about your experience on this planet. So this is pretty important. So in this series, Really what we're exploring is some of the common sayings and ideas that you might see floating around social media, you might hear people use from time to time, and then we're taking a step back and saying, does that actually line up with what God says in the Bible? So today, the hashtag that we're going to be looking at is the hashtag, God helps those who help themselves. What, is, what does this mean? Is, this, is, there, is there truth in this? Is this how we're supposed to build a life? This idea has actually been around for a long time. The phrase is not found in the Bible, but some people who you know, do the polling and they call people and they figure out statistics have found that actually a majority of Americans think that this phrase is, in fact, in the Bible. So while it's not found in the Bible, a lot of people think that it is. It's often attributed to Benjamin Franklin in his work of Poor Richard's Almanac. And while he actually wasn't the originator, even though he's often given credit, you find this idea multiple times throughout literary history, and it actually goes all the way back to being a proverb used in ancient Greece. And statements that include both truth and error are really some of the most dangerous statements and ideas that we can encounter. And so there is is a bit of truth in this. I mean, The Bible often talks about the importance of not being lazy. The Bible talks about the importance of taking responsibility for what God's given us. God's given each one of us responsibilities in life. I mean, we have, he's given us these bodies, we're supposed to take care of our bodies, he's given us different things that he wants us to do, and it's as we take initiative in those responsibilities and do it in the way that he instructs us to, the Bible actually teaches that he will come alongside of us and help us, but it's really all in the context of doing what he says the way he says to do it, following him, or Another word that the Bible would use to describe this is living a life of obedience to him. But when you think about this statement, God helps those who help themselves, where the error comes in is the statement's really just about you doing what you want. I mean, you you think of where it's most often used. It's most often used as kind of just an excuse to justify a selfish action or a selfish decision. And then, well, I did it because, you know, if if God helps those who help themselves, so I help myself, and then God's just going to come along, and he's going to give his stamp of approval to my life. And really, the error is that if you walk through your life and you take this selfish approach and I'm just going to help myself, I'm going to do my own thing, the error is assuming that God's then going to come alongside and he's going to apply his muscle to whatever it is that you're doing. And that's just not how reality works. God does not bring his muscle in to help you accomplish your selfish desires. That's not what God does. So this morning, we're going to ask two questions to hopefully help us identify are we choosing a selfish approach to life? Are we kind of applying this God-helps-those-who-help-themselves mentality as we go through our lives? And, And hopefully it won't just help us identify it, but hopefully in some situations it might even help us avoid doing this in the future. So we're taking an alternative approach instead of just kind of our natural, selfish inclinations. So the first question we're gonna call the priority question, the priority question. And this question will help us determine what we aim at, or what the most important thing is in life. It helps us determine what the priority is. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, and this is what Jesus says starting in verse 31. He says this, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, what do we worry about in life? Well, we worry about all kinds of stuff. We worry about what we need. We worry about what we want. We worry about not getting what we think we need. We worry about not getting what we think we want. So what's the response that Jesus points to here? Well, it's like he says, he says, the pagans run after all these things. Now, the word pagan, that sounds like a very strong term, but the term really just means without God. So the idea is is people for whom God is not a reference point. As they make decisions on what's most important in life, they're not turning to God to see what he says about it. They're just kind of running after whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. What they want is most important, so they chase after it. And if you think about it, if God is, if he is, if he doesn't exist, or if he doesn't have any influence on the outcome of what's going to happen, then really the most rational response is, whatever you desire, just chase after it means God's not involved. And so if something's going to happen, it's all up to you. It rests on your shoulders. So you better start running because nobody else is going to make this happen. You're the one that has to make it happen because God's not a factor. That's really the way that this is describing how a lot of people live. But it turns out God is a factor in life, and he's actually much more involved than we often think he is. He created this world. He created you. He created me. He has a detailed, specific plan for each one of our lives. There's a reason for your existence, and that means that the wisest thing that you and I can do as his creation, living in this world that he created, is ask the question, why did he do this, and what does he want from me? What, what is, how does he want me to respond? How does he want me to live? I mean, if he created me, and if he has a plan, then instead of me just ignoring him and going my own way, What does he expect from me? Figuring out what that is and then responding appropriately based on who he is and what he's done. That's the wisest thing that we can do. But so often what we do is we just get up and we start running after whatever we want. We exclude him from the decision-making process. The reality is is there's a lot of Christians that are really running around like pagans. When we wake up in the morning, and myself included, there are days where I get up and the first thing that pops in my head is what I want out of that day, and so I just set about running after that and chasing that. But again, God is a factor. He created you, and he created me. He has a plan, and that means that the priority for our lives is not just running after what we want, but there's a different priority. Jesus points to that, and he says this. He says, instead of, you know, running after all these things, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Well, a seeker, they set their focus on something. There's something that guides them, and they set their focus on it, and then they kind of put all their effort in their aiming after something. They're saying, this is what I want, and I'm focused on this, and I'm going to move towards that. That's what a seeker does. They determine, this is what's most important, and I'm going to go after that. So that's really what Jesus is pointing to, is that there is a priority. And he, he identifies two things, and these are significant. First thing he identifies is he says, we're supposed to seek God's kingdom, seek his kingdom. Now, in our culture, we don't have kings and kingdoms. We have presidents and administrations. But common to both is they both have an agenda. Kings and kingdoms have an agenda, something that they want to see happen. Presidents and administrations have an agenda, something they want to see happen. So when it says seek God's kingdom, another way of saying that is seek God's agenda. Now, what is God's agenda? Well, right now, God's agenda, the top thing on his list, is saving people from sin. That's what is most important to him right now. What's most important to him is he sent Jesus to provide a way that we could enter back into a relationship with him and experience forgiveness. And so he wants us to experience that. He wants to save us from the consequences of sin. That is, that is number one on his list. So for us, if instead of running after what we want, if we're going to seek his agenda then what that means is a question that we're going to be asking ourselves is, as we go through our day, as we interact with other people, as we, as we go through the, the spheres of relationships that we currently have, the question is, okay, as I'm at work, how can I advance what God wants to do in this situation? As I'm interacting with my neighbors, how can I participate in his agenda of saving people from sin? as I spend time with my family, as I participate in my hobbies. If you're seeking him, you're just continuously asking the question, okay, based on what's most important to God, how can I advance that in the lives of these other people? How can I be a part of that? That's what it means to seek his kingdom. But then he, he identifies another thing. So we're supposed to seek his agenda. And then he also says this, he says, seek his righteousness or God's righteousness And the word righteousness, the root of that word is the word right. And that's really what it means when it talks about righteousness. It's what God says is right. It's actually really helpful for us that we have the Bible full of what God says is right. Because in our culture and really kind of through history, popular opinion on what is right and wrong has really been a moving target. And it's kind of kind of changing based on what people think or people's opinions at the time. So that means that there's a lot of guesswork, and you're trying to figure out, well, what, what is right? But because God's given us his word, the Bible, that means that you and I can spend time sitting down and figuring out what he says, and then it's removing the guesswork. So as we go through the different relationships and situations, we can ask the question, okay, as his follower, what's the right thing for me to do in this situation at work? Or as his follower, how should I respond to my spouse in this situation? What's the right thing for me to do here? Or as his follower, what would be the right thing for me to do with this time? You're just continuously, you're seeking it, so you're aiming for it. You're continuously asking the question, okay, what does God say the right thing to do is now, now that I'm in this? And again, because we've got his word, we don't have to do the guesswork. He's removed it for us where we can spend time exploring it and seeing what he says. So the priority question asks this. It asks, am I running after what I want or am I seeking what God wants? That's what the priority question asks. It asks, am I running after what I want or am I seeking what God wants? Now for me, kind of how this looks in my life, is I really like to accomplish stuff. I'm one of those people that when I get to work, I make a list of tasks that I need to accomplish, and then as I go through it, I like to check them off. I like to kind of see that I'm making progress. And also, I like, to, I like to solve problems. I enjoy doing that. And so, you know, maybe it's at home, maybe it's, you know, fixing something at home and coming up with a solution, or maybe I, I, come, I come across something that needs to be addressed in the workplace, and so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how would I, how would I fix this in the situation? Sometimes, you know, it's even in relationships. I'll admit, as a fixer, that can get me in trouble in my marriage sometimes. but. I really like accomplishing things and I really like fixing things and so often what I've noticed is I'll get up and then I'll just start charging through my day, kind of, okay, here's all the tasks and so I'll put my head down and, okay, I just got to do this and this and this and this and this and here's the things that need to be fixed, okay, and I'll put my head down and I'll just start running after. This is what needs to be fixed and then I'll fix this and then I'll fix this and I'll just start doing all these different things. And there's nothing wrong with accomplishing stuff or fixing problems, but that's not the priority for my life the priority for my life is seeking what God wants. And so what I've noticed is an indicator for me that I'm just running after what I want is how I respond to people when I'm interrupted. You know, I'm, kind of, I'm running after it, I've kinda of got my pace, I'm in my groove, I'm getting stuff done, and then there's a surprise or an unexpected interruption, I'm kinda of bumped off my pace. And how I respond in that situation often indicates if I'm just running after what I want or if I'm seeking what God wants. If I, if I start to get annoyed and frustrated or maybe even respond in anger to the interruption, then actually that, that emotion, that feeling is doing what it was created to do. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like the lights on the dashboard of a car that's saying, okay, something's off. And it's an opportunity for me to step back and say, okay, am I, am I just running after what I want? Is that why I'm responding this way? Am I just annoyed because I had a goal, I had an agenda... This person interrupted it, or this situation interrupted it, and so now I'm frustrated with the situation. It kind of helps me kind of get a chance to reset and evaluate this. And so for me, what I found really helpful in kind of framing my day, realizing my tendency to just run after what I want and try to accomplish things and fix things and having these indicators, what I found helpful is to start my day kind of looking at what I've got coming ahead and asking the question, okay, what would God want for me? So first thing, often what I'll do is I'll get up and before I get busy with all the tasks is I'll just try to sit down with my Bible and spend some time praying through a passage and asking God, okay, what would you have me do today? So I'll, I'll kind of write down, okay, well, this is what I learned about God. This is something that I learned about how he wants me to live or an attitude or a behavior he wants me to avoid. And then sometimes what I'll do is I'll just make a list of what I have to do that day. I'll make a list. Here's all the tasks that I want to accomplish here's the errands I need to run, here's the activities with the kids, here's the time that I have with my wife. And then I'll just spend some time, and I'll pray through that, and I'll ask God, okay, God, in this situation, would you help me seek your agenda in this situation? And God, as I, as I accomplish these things, would you help me do it in a way that honors you? Would you help me do it the way that you says say to do it, the way that's right? And what I'm learning is that I I haven't figured this out completely, but what I'm learning is oftentimes my day still largely looks the same. I still spend my time accomplishing tasks and fixing problems, but the manner in which I go through my day is very different because I now have the right priority. So instead of just kind of pursuing the solution that I want and running after that, now what I'm finding is as I go through the situation, I'm actually seeking what God wants in it. And so, for me, the manner in which I accomplish tasks is now different than it was before, or the manner in which I fix problems is different than what it was before. And I'm reacting to people differently as I go through the situation, and my response has now changed because I have the right priority. The the tasks largely look the same from the outside, but the manner in which I do it is very different. And what's important for us kind of to realize as we think about this is... Again, our natural approach, when we get up in the morning, the first thing we're thinking is, okay, what, what do I need to do today? What do I want to get out of this day? And we just start running after that. And if we're not intentional, if we don't set aside time to prioritize what God wants, well, then we're just going to run after what we want. We're going to do the thing that Jesus said not to do because that comes so easy to us. And so for us to actually prioritize the right thing, we have to set aside time. We have to have some kind of some habits or something on our schedule that helps us kind of reframe, oh, this isn't about me just doing what I want. Because if we do that, you're just going to sink into this. God helps those who help themselves, following your selfish desires, hoping he puts his stamp of approval on it. But instead, we're supposed to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, just like he says. And so for you, what's your priority? You know, are you just kind of getting up and you're just running after what you want? Are you taking this, God helps those who help themselves, hoping that, you know, at the end of the day, he's just going to put his stamp of approval on it, even though you spent your whole day kind of chasing your desires? Or are you, are you seeking what he wants? Are you putting time and are you being intentional into asking the question, okay, in this situation, what, what would he have me do? How would he have me respond? How would he have me act? What would be the right thing to do in this situation? Again, the reason Jesus says that you were supposed to do this first, the reason he says seek first, is if this is second or third or fourth on your list, it's not going to happen. I mean, we all have so many things that we want to do, and even once we accomplish one thing, something else just pops into its place. That if it's not seek first what God wants, if your priority is not seeking after what he wants, then the reality is it's, not just, it's just not going to happen. If it's anywhere other than first on the list, then our days will be spent running after what we want. The next question is the timing question. The timing question will really help answer, help us determine how long we're willing to wait. As you, as you seek what God wants, as you prioritize what he says is most important, you, you pursue his agenda, you advance it, as you figure out, okay, what does God say is right in this situation? There's still the question of, but what about what I want? And you still have your desires. Those aren't going to go away. The things that you want in life, the things that you want to satisfy you, those are still present. And they're a mix of some are good and some are bad, and, you know, the bad ones will need to be addressed, but you're still wrestling with that. Yeah, but what about me? What about what I want? When is that going to be satisfied? And actually, what I really appreciate about what Jesus says is he addresses this. He says this, again, this passage where we just looked at. He says, But seek first, he says the priority seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says this, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, that's a promise. That's pretty cool. God's saying that, hey, he's going to meet our needs, he's going to satisfy us. Now, what's not included here? This is where it gets difficult. What's not included? We're not told anything about timing. We're not told when this is going to happen. This is really where it starts to get challenging. It turns out that God gives us this promise, but his timetable and my timetable are very different. God sees life as it really is. He recognizes and fully understands because he created us. He knows that we're eternal beings. He knows that our existence continues after our hearts stop beating. And so because of that, what God is fully aware of is the most important thing in this life is making sure we spend eternity with him and then preparing us for that eternity. That's what's most important to him. So when he sees time and he sees our lives, it's not just limited to the years we have here, but he sees eternity. Now for us, on the other hand, we have a very different timetable. For me, I was looking this up this week to try to figure out, you know, What's the timetable I'm usually looking at? And the average life expectancy of a male in the United States right now is 79 years. So if you've surpassed that, congratulations, you've beat what the Internet says the average is. I'm 33. That means I have 46 years, according to the Internet, if the Internet's right. 46 years to make sure that I get what I want in life. And let's just be honest, I'm not kind of waiting to the end saying, okay, I, here's what I want, and I want it in 46 years. Honestly, I want it now. So my timetable is not 46 years. My timetable is actually a lot closer to how fast Amazon Prime can ship me a product. <laughs> I mean, really, if they can ship me anything in the world in two days, I mean, that's about the extent of my timetable. When I'm thinking about what I want, I, I want it now. I, I want it quickly. And again, with this kind of God helps those who help themselves approach, what it does really is it, it treats God like he's a consumer goods company, and his whole goal is to make you happy and to provide you with what you want in the time frame in which you want it. And if that's your approach to God, if you're just kind of treating him like he's a retail company that's all about giving you what you want, I just warn you, you are going to be very, very frustrated with God as you move through life because that's not top of his list, and that's not his priority right now. He's got a different priority. So we're going to be struggling with this timing question, because we're looking at a different timetable. The book of Psalms actually has a psalm that is really helpful to me. It's written by an individual. As you'll see, he's really struggling with this timing question, really struggling with, well, what about what I want? When's that going to happen? This is what he says, Psalm 73, verse 1. He says this, He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He starts with surely God is good. He's saying, I know that this is true about God. I know that God's a good God. I know that he provides. I know that when you follow him, he shows himself to be good. I know that that's true, but as for me, that's not really what I'm experiencing. I'm, I'm actually experiencing something different, and because of something I did, I almost slipped, I almost turned away from God. It's really what he says here. And why did that happen? Well, he says this in verse 3. He says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He started to look around and he saw, these, these people, their lives are prosperous. I mean, they're not following God like I am, but man, their life's good. It's it's prosperous. They're getting what they want. They seem happy, they seem satisfied, they seem fulfilled. I mean, I'm just looking at the here and now and I'm thinking, I'm not so sure that I got the right deal here. He goes on. He says this just a few verses later, the same passage. He says, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. I mean, who, who doesn't want a carefree life? I do you know some of my fondest memories are taking naps on boats out in the middle of the ocean i just love it you know talk about carefree there's nothing you could do even if you wanted to do something because you're in a boat in the middle of the ocean and i just love carefree that would be nice wouldn't it wouldn't be nice if every morning you got up you looked at your bank account and it just kept growing and every day just more and more I And mean, that's what this is saying he's looking around he's seeing all these people in mass wealth i mean if you know my family just we just never had to even take money into consideration ever again you want it buy it doesn't matter You want to go there? Let's go there. Doesn't matter. You want that education? Let's do it. You know, wouldn't that that be nice if it just kept growing and growing? He's looking around, and he's just kind of looking at the years he has here, and man, everybody else's life looks pretty good, but what does he say about himself? He says, you know, hey, I've been following God, but you know, my life's been full of affliction. It's tough. It's hard. There's pain in my life, he says, I wake up every morning, and it's like there's a new punishment. It's almost like every day I get up, it's like, oh, something else. It just keeps getting worse and worse. So he goes on. He keeps writing. Verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. What he's saying is, I tried to wrap my head around this, and I'm trying to figure out how could, how could this be right? How could this be the way that God intended the world to work? Something's wrong. He, just, he couldn't get his head around it. Then he says this, something changes. He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destination. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I really appreciate the fact that as part of God's plan, he included passages like this in the Bible. You know, it's not this kind of presentation that, hey, when you follow God, it's all, you know, easy, and if you have any problems or any struggles with it along the way, there must be something wrong with you. No, he included tons of passages that are honest about the struggle that we're going to face. It's hard, depending on what timetable you're looking at. And that's what this is presenting. But the change occurs when this individual, it says, I understood their final destiny. What he did was, previously, he was looking at whatever's happening around him in the world, and he was thinking, man, all we have is here and now, and I want to get everything I can out of this life. And the way that my life's going isn't that great, and I'm not satisfied or happy with it. It's actually really hard. But I look at all these other people, and their lives are great. They look so good. I I want what they want, because it's about here and now. But then he he, he considers their final destiny. So what he does is he kind of takes a step back, and he realizes it's not about the years we have here and now. Actually, these years are just a drop in the bucket of time. But there's actually way more to this going on than we can just see. And when he kind of looked at the situation from an eternal perspective, from God's timetable, not just here and now in the limited years we have, but looked at it from, okay, what's God's big picture? What's he gonna do? He realized his, his perspective on the whole situation changed. He started looking at it differently because he started looking at a different timetable. So the timing question asks this. It asks, am I looking at my timetable or am I looking at God's timetable? And the timetable that you choose to look at, it's your choice, but the timetable you choose to look at will determine how long you're willing to wait. I mean, is, is it all about getting what you want here and now in this life? What if, what if you prioritize God and there are some desires that you have that aren't satisfied here and now in this life. Are you willing to wait for him to satisfy them? Or do they have to happen here and now in time? You know, I mean, I, th- I think one of the real challenges, if you, if you try to prioritize what God says, if you seek his agenda, you try to advance it, you seek what he says is right, but you're only looking at the timetable of here and now, our timetable, the, the years that you have remaining, if that's what you're looking at, over time, as you follow him, you're just gonna, just like this guy in this psalm is saying, he says, at the very beginning, he says, I almost slipped. What, what's gonna happen is you're just gonna start to drift from what God says is right back to running after what you want. Because if you're just looking at the timetable of this life, well, then you better hurry up and get busy getting what you want because this is what it's all about. But if you're looking at another timetable, God's timetable, then you realize that, hey, I can prioritize what he wants and what he says, and I can trust that there will be a time when my, when my wants and my desires are satisfied. He promises that. It, it might just not be on the timetable that I want it to be on. Some people, they're so afraid that they won't get what they want in time that they trade eternity to have what they want. So don't trade eternity just so you can have what you want in time. Remember that God created us and created time to prepare us for eternity with him. Actually, your time here and now is shaping what you're going to experience for the rest of time. So don't don't sacrifice that. Don't waste that just running after what you want. But make the most of this realizing, okay, it's not about here and now. It's not about me satisfying my desires, but it's about me pursuing what he says to do. And that's actually preparing me for where I'm going to spend eternity. That's what's most important. God's priority right now is not what we want. He has a different priority, and that's what we're supposed to pursue. So as we wrap up this morning, and we kind of wrap up talking about this one hashtag, God Helps Those Who Help Themselves, the questions are, are you running after what you want, or are you seeking what God wants? Are you just kind of taking this selfish approach that says, this is what's most important to me, and so this is what I'm going to make my life about? And I'm hoping that God puts his stamp of approval on it. Is that the approach? Or are you intentional about, okay, this is, this is what's most important to God right now. What's most important to him is saving people from sin. In the, in the areas in which I'm having relationships with other people and interacting, how am I advancing that agenda? You know, what's the effort that you're putting in to figuring those things out? What are, what are the questions you're asking yourself about what does God say is right in this situation? Are you running after what you want with your days? Or are you seeking what God wants? And then another question is, what timetable are you looking at? You know, are you, are you just looking at the remaining years? Maybe you've gone to the Internet, and, you know, based on what the Internet says, I've only got this much time, so I better get busy, and I better get everything I can out of this life. I, I better squeeze every last drop out of it, because this is my one chance to get what I want. Is that the timetable? Or are you looking at his timetable, realizing that he promises... He says, all these things will be added to you as well, and recognizing that some of these things that I want, they aren't going to be satisfied in this life, but I'm not going to let that derail me from pursuing him. I'm going to keep looking at his timetable, and I'm going to keep prioritizing what he says is the right thing to do. So, are you living a God helps those who help themselves approach to life, or are you pursuing something bigger? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the fact that your word is so clear on this and that we don't have to guess and we don't have to kind of try to assume that this is the best approach to really get your help. But God, we can we can spend time in your word and see that you have clearly laid out a path and you have a plan and there is a priority to life. And God, I thank you for the fact that you you speak to our desires and what we, what we want and what we need and what we want to see happen. And I thank you for the fact that you actually promised to satisfy those. So God, would you help us to look to the bigger picture, to the bigger timetable, the one that includes this life and the next, and realize that in your plan there will be satisfaction. And in the meantime, the priority is seeking what you say to do. God, I pray that you would help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.